Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums... Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Rossafari Zoo News. Y'all, I have to say it. Happy New Year's Eve, if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out. But if you're not, then it is 2022, and I can officially say to you, Happy New Year. Heck, I can even say it if it's New Year's Eve. It's, It's close enough, and I hope that your new year is happy. So, like... I'm being all, you know, honest and stuff. So that's good, right? I know that um, I personally do not believe in making New Year's resolutions for myself. Um, But I know that this is a time that a lot of people are making New Year's resolutions for themselves. And so if you are one of those people, I hope that you resolve to follow along on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Ross Safari. Uh, Pretty exciting news. I recently got Reels, which is a new feature on Instagram that's kind of like TikTok on Instagram. And I like it so much more than I like TikTok that while I am still at Ross Safari Pod on TikTok, if you're not on Instagram yet, that's really the place to be getting the most Ross Safari content right now. Of course, you can also make sure that you have hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app to make sure that you don't miss an episode. And um, if you have Spotify, whether that is where you listen to this or not, uh, cool news, you can now give it a five-star rating on Spotify. You can also give it a four, three, two, or one-star rating, but that would make me feel bad and and make me sad. So so don't do that, but um, go and give it a five-star rating, it meaning the podcast, meaning the Rasafari podcast. And uh, yeah, that, that really, really helps people find the show, y'all. It really does. Um, I've mentioned it before too, but but you can also do it on Apple Podcasts and on Audible and and it takes literally like a second, and it really, really helps me out. So um, if you would consider doing that as part of your New Year's resolution, or if, like me, you don't do those just because you're a nice human, then uh, I, for one, would greatly appreciate it. So yeah, go do that. Thanks. So, okay, New Year, right? Also means new merch. You've seen some of it on Instagram, and I'll have more pictures soon of some of the other choices that you have. But there are now hoodies and t-shirts and onesies and all kinds of cool things available with uh, one of the Rossafari logos. Also, ones that say, what's your poop story? Which, if you're on Instagram, you've definitely seen me uh, in that a little bit. And I've been having some fun telling some stories about that already on there. And um, yeah, it's all really exciting. I'm really proud of this merch. It's really cool. Uh, Daydreamer Network helped me design it and is is helping me with getting it to you all. Um, they're the people that you keep hearing the ad for on here. So um, yeah, they're, they're, they are a true partner and we are working together and it is going really well. And I am 
loving it. So if you would like to check out that merch, you can go to www.rossafari.com and uh, get Rossafari merch. And uh, I'll be putting up a lot more on Instagram and stuff, but uh, you, should, you should go check it out. It's good stuff. The hoodies are really warm, y'all. They have like hoods stuff. But no, seriously, they're really cool. I really dig them. And you will look 10.3% sexier if you are wearing a Ross Safari hoodie as opposed to anything else. And that's not just my opinion. That's science. What? Oh, my uh, my stuffed red panda editors tell me that I have to tell you that that is, in fact, my opinion and probably isn't really even my opinion. But they're good hoodies, y'all. You should check them out. Also, T-shirts and stuff. Yay, things. And speaking of that awesome company that I said helped me out with the merch, here's an ad for them. Today's episode is brought to you by Daydreamer Studios. Do you have stories and expertise to share with the world? Have you ever thought about starting your own podcasts? There's no better time to start than now with the help of a trusted production partner. Daydreamer Studios is a full-service production company that takes all the stress off your plate. You can focus on creating engaging content while they focus on recording, editing, audio engineering, hosting, and publishing on 22 platforms. Log into the advanced remote system with one click and the Daydreamer team will be on the other end ready for you to record everything you have to say. Owned and operated by Daydreamer Network, Daydreamer Studios continues on the company's mission to empower storytellers of all kinds by making podcasting accessible to all. For more information and current promotions, visit daydreamernetwork.com studios. All right, so for the last time in 2021, or if you're listening to this after the day it dropped, the first time in 2022, or if you're playing catch-up after starting the podcast months from now at some random time in, oh, I don't know, June of 2023 or something, here's Zoo News. One, two, three, four. Ow, oh, that's a funky monkey, tree kangaroo. Oh, I've been too wrong. It's news. Yeah. All right, and we are going to start off with another top 10 list. Yay! Uh, USA Today recently released its top 10 zoo lights. Yay! They do the whole winter holiday lights thing every year, and um, they only do the top 10 as opposed to like the top 20 or top 50, so here they are. Number 10, Wild Lights at Living Desert Zoo and Gardens in Palm Desert. Number nine, Holiday Lights at California Living Museum in Bakersfield. Number eight, Dallas Zoo Lights, Dallas Zoo. Number seven, Lights Before Christmas at Riverbanks Zoo and Garden in Columbia, South Carolina. Number six, the U.S. Bank Wild Lights at the St. Louis Zoo in St. Louis, Missouri. Number five, Philadelphia Zoo Luminature in Philadelphia. Number four, Christmas at the Zoo at the Indianapolis Zoo. Number three, the Electric Safari at Cheyenne Mountain Zoo in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Number two, Lights Before Christmas at the Toledo Zoo in Ohio. And number one, again, also in Ohio, because they're not just the best state for zoos, y'all, but they're the best state for zoo lights. PNC Festival of Lights at the Cincinnati Zoo in Cincinnati, Ohio. Fun story, the uh, the first time I ever made it to the Cincinnati Zoo was only for the PNC Festival of Lights there because I was on a like pretty heavily scheduled trip, 
and couldn't get to it during the day, but made the trip in the evening to see the incredible lights. They were incredible. And immediately ran to the Red Panda exhibit, hoping to see the Red Panda family there, but I was too late. Little did I know at the time that I would get to be friends with people that take care of those pandas and interview some of them and meet all the pandas and all the cool things that would come to me since then. Merry Christmas indeed. And, you know, speaking of a Merry Christmas, I need to give props to a couple of zoos, including Cincinnati and Lehigh Valley Zoo. And I know there are a bunch of others, but um, I didn't I didn't see them post as much. But a lot of zoos this year decided to give their staff as much time off as they could on Christmas Eve and Christmas. What this means is obviously the staff still needs to come in to take care of the animals, but uh, the parks were closed both days, which is especially a big deal at places that have the zoo lights and can make a ton of money, uh, especially on Christmas Eve at the zoo lights. But instead of worrying about that cold, hard cash, they worried about the warm hearts that um, take care of their animals and gave the staff as little time at work as possible. They just came in, took care of the animals, and then got to go home without dealing with humans or you know, any of the crap that comes along with that. I thought that was very cool. So for those listening at other facilities who haven't done that, hey, maybe that is something to nudge your bosses towards, or if you're a boss, nudge yourself towards for next year. Think about how we can find just a little bit of extra time off for our, our keeper friends and uh, make, make their holidays a little bit easier on them. Cool. And while we're on the subject of Christmassy type things or any other reason to celebrate and get gifts, just a friendly reminder that a lot of you have possibly gotten new electronics recently, possibly even new cell phones. And you can go to your local zoos and recycle those. Um, it turns out that um, elements used to create cell phones can be reused, which reduces the demand to mine in the Congo, the home to critically endangered lowland gorillas. A lot of zoos have collection points for your old cell phones, including the Toronto Zoo, the Cincinnati Zoo, the Philly Zoo, probably a bunch of others. But um, those are the ones that have been reminding people in the holiday season that I saw. So uh, if you got a new phone and want to get rid of your old one, Take it to the zoo. It's a great way to help gorillas. And also, you know, you get to go to the zoo. So win-win, right? And speaking of the Toronto Zoo and our friends there, a project more than a decade in the making at the Toronto Zoo has started turning poop into power for 250 homes in the Toronto area this year. The zoo is using manure from its animals to generate electricity at a site called ZooShare. The zoo fills an entire dump truck with manure, the kind that Marty McFly might trick some bullies into running into, and then they leave it in a manure shed where it gets dropped into receiving tanks. It is mixed with commercial food waste from grocery stores, restaurants, event halls, and uh, other companies. And then the two organic streams go together into a digestion tank for 24 days where they make biogas, a mixture of methane and other gases used to make electricity. After the digestion is complete, the organic matter goes into a storage tank and is used as fertilization for the Rogue Park area of Toronto. 
The best part is that the heat that they make from burning the gas to make electricity is then used to keep the whole process going, so it's basically self-sufficient once the stuff arrives. Now that's what I call a poop story. Poop story. Poop story. Poop story. All right. Well, we have fun here, don't we, folks? Yes, we do. Uh, Another place that you can have fun now is the Indianapolis Zoo. Erica Allen, remember her, that awesome keeper who has taught us about walrus and dolphins on this podcast? Well, she and the rest of her team are now starting to do keeper talks with Ginger and Aku, the walruses at the zoo. But let me be clear here. I am not talking about standing above the exhibit and telling you what's going on. They are actually taking the walruses out onto the paths to meet guests. That's right, y'all. You've all been jealous of me getting to hang out with these walrus? Well, now you can as well. So uh, keep your eyes on the Indianapolis Zoo's schedule if you are a person who is near there. Maybe plan a trip if you're not, because meeting walrus is one of the coolest things you will ever get to do. And you can go and hang out with my friends, Ginger and Aku. You might even get to meet Erica, who, frankly, might be the coolest of all of them. Except for Ginger and Aku. It's like time for the Splash Zone, dude. That's right, y'all. It's been a minute since I added some new music to this bad boy, and I wanted to have some fun with that. So I have decided to start the Splash Zone, which is something that I have just randomly decided is going to be what I call whenever I have multiple aquarium stories in a row. So uh, there you go. Our first story in the Splash Zone comes from the National Aquarium in Baltimore. The National Aquarium is excited to announce their new ensemble of sea turtles. Each year, the aquarium chooses a naming theme for its cold-stunned sea turtle patients, and they are jazzed to announce this year's rescues will be named after musical instruments. So far, they have 30 patients in, including tuba, maraca, and kazoo. I need to get the full list of all of these turtles. Now, in case you don't know, cold-stunned turtles are turtles who are in water that they shouldn't be in when it turns too cold, and so it stuns them, hence the name. And they'll literally wash up on shore and seem almost dead, but they're not. They're just kind of in a real heavy state of torpor, and uh, they can be taken to places like the National Aquarium to be rehabilitated and oftentimes are able to be healed and released back into the wild, sometimes with trackers, which gives us a lot more information on how to help save these incredibly endangered animals. So, uh, yeah, that is really cool, and I really personally love the uh, musical instrument naming that they're doing this year. Although I do feel slightly bad for the one named Tuba. The second story here in the Splash Zone is that a dive team with the Monterey Bay Aquarium in California captured video of a barrel-eye fish. A barrel-eye fish is not only extremely rare to find in the wild, but is really weird to see because they are transparent. 
well, their heads are anyway. Uh, I highly recommend that you check out Barrel Eye Fish on the Google machine because it's kind of crazy. And it's really cool that um, a dive team with really good equipment from the Monterey Bay Aquarium Research Institute just happened to find one off the California coast. Really exciting stuff and really worth taking a look at. And then I don't even know if I should count this story in the splash zone because it's about a terrestrial animal at an aquarium. But, uh, you know, I just made this up and it's my rules and I like my new song, so I guess I will. Uh, Maritime Aquarium has announced that they have officially opened their new meerkat exhibit, which is twice as large as the original meerkat exhibit at the aquarium, which was already pretty awesome. They spent a lot of time designing this to give them new opportunities for climbing, digging, and other natural behaviors, and now they have a lot more room to explore. So if you are anywhere near Connecticut, make sure you check out Maritime Aquarium, and while you're looking at all the blub 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 type animals, you can also go see some terrestrial ones. Mm. Pretty sure blub 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 is the the technical term for the the animals that live live in the water. Yes? No? And this has been the splash zone. And now from that, I need to take the time to get a little more serious. I'm going to give an update on the Johnson Park Zoo in um New Jersey that we've talked about before. Uh, as I mentioned, the animals were going to be moved away from there and the zoo was going to be closed. And then the board decided to change their minds and are now bringing in experts to check out the area and give their opinion. The latest info from the board is that it could take until the end of March for a decision to be made. That means that these animals that are trapped in a floodplain and allegedly not being treated very well may have to go through a very cold, harsh winter while other people decide their fate. This is a travesty, y'all. Please make sure you're paying attention to this. Check out the Friends of the Johnson Park Animals group on Facebook and do what you can to reach out to people to help expedite this process. I will yet again include an email address in the show notes for those who want to reach out and state their concern about this problem that these animals are facing. Thank you. And while we are on more serious topics, I have three sad stories that I need to share with you all about some animals that have crossed the rainbow bridge, as some like to say. Um, and no, I'm not going to do any funny songs about that. Uh, so I haven't totally lost my mind. Uh, anyway, at the Berlin Zoo, Katjusha has died. At age 37, Katjusha was the oldest polar bear in the world. She had been suffering from heart problems for some time and was getting treatment. But, um, you know, age catches up, especially when you're the oldest in the world. So uh, she will be missed. But it's amazing to know that the Berlin Zoo did such a great job taking care of this amazing polar bear. And we have also recently had to say goodbye to Tarai. Tarai was the second oldest male red panda in captivity, and he passed away at the age of 19. Tarai was one of the first red pandas that I ever got a really good photo of, and um, he really, 
is one of the reasons that the Rossafari Instagram exists, which, as you know, is the reason that the Rossafari podcast exists. So uh, I'm going to miss that little goober. He uh, he had been living for quite a while at the Henry Villas Zoo, which is in Wisconsin, and. Um, when I was there, I was oh, I was just so happy to see him. He was so curious and sweet, and I, I loved him to death. In fact, the photo I took of him is one of the only ones I've ever had blown up, and it hangs in my kitchen where I see him daily when I am home. That adorable little face will truly, truly be missed. Sending all my love to all of the keepers and staff and, you know, fans at Henry Villas Zoo. And finally, in our sad zoo news this week, the ABQ Bio Park announced that Thorn, their three-year-old elephant calf, has lost his battle with EEHV, or Elephant Endotheliotropic Herpes Virus. You may remember from a recent episode with another lost calf that EEHV is found in elephants in the wild and in human care and is the leading cause of death of Asian elephant calves. The one good that you can say from all of this is that um, it, it's nice to know that the research done as they try to cure these elephants that we lose and also as they do necropsies will uh, hopefully help beat this terrible disease. Sending all my love to the people at ABQ Biopark. And, you know, I really don't want to end the Zoo News segment here on a sour note. And so because of that, I am going to share a story that I've been sitting on for a while because I think it's hilarious. And uh, I I wanted to save it for a moment just like this. The Bronx Zoo, this was a few months ago now, made a ton of headlines after some gorillas there decided to engage in, kids, cover your ears, Oral sex. And uh, somebody who was videotaping the gorillas at the time happened to see it and post it on the interwebs. People were freaking out. Uh, There were all kinds of tweets and texts and complaints and people saying, oh, no, they shouldn't be allowed to do this, which I mean, stop it right now. Um, I do love that Ice T the actor and rapper actually retweeted it and said, you never know what you may see at the zoo, LOL. So at least he was enjoying the humor of it. And if that isn't a funny enough of a naughty news story to end Zoo News on, well, there's a follow-up. Literally the day after one of my listeners sent me that story, and no, don't worry, I'm not going to rat you out. I'm not going to say who it was. Although those listening will be able to narrow it down to the list of names at the end of this episode. So there you go. But anyway, the day after I was sent this story, I happened to go to the Rosamond Gifford Zoo in Syracuse, where I happened to see Bjorn the Andean Bear, who uh, is very popular there and is very well known for being a lot of fun and having a lot of personality. And when I saw Bjorn, I noticed that he had some kind of enrichment that I had never seen before. It was being held in his lap, and he was playing with it, and it was some kind of pink stick, and he bent over, and he, he put it in his own mouth, and... I, I honestly, innocently turned to ask a keeper what the enrichment item was, but before the words came out of my mouth, it registered what I was seeing, and I just decided that it was time to move on. 
and maybe start taking some yoga classes. And that brings us to... Stereotypical Animal Podcast theme song. Here to bring you to Conservation News. The conservation world lost not one, but two incredible leaders this week. First, we say goodbye to Dr. Thomas Lovejoy, known as the godfather of biodiversity. Dr. Lovejoy was an American ecologist who, interestingly enough, got his start at the Trevor Zoo at Millbrook, and you can hear a little bit about his time there on that episode of the podcast. Um, And then he went on to become an ecologist who was president of the Amazon Biodiversity Center, a senior fellow at the United Nations Foundation, and a university professor in environmental science and policy at George Mason University. He also served as the World Bank's Chief Biodiversity Advisor and the Lead Specialist for Environment for Latin America and the Caribbean, as well as Senior Advisor to the President of the United Nations Foundation. He did all kinds of other cool stuff and is actually the person who introduced the term biological diversity to the scientific community back in 1980. And he also was the winner of the Tyler Prize for Environmental Achievement in 2001, the BBVA Foundation Frontiers of Knowledge Award in 2008, and the Blue Planet Prize in 2012. That is an entire life dedicated to saving biodiversity, and Dr. Lovejoy will be missed, but his legacy will clearly live on. We also have to say goodbye to Dr. Edward O. Wilson, a biologist and author who conducted pioneering work on biodiversity, insects, and human nature, and won two Pulitzer Prizes for his work. Dr. Wilson was not only an expert on insects, but also studied the evolution of behavior, exploring how natural selection and other forces could produce something as extraordinarily complex as an ant colony. He was one of the voices who took Darwin's work the furthest and really gave us all an understanding of how evolution can really, really shape animals over time, including human animals. Dr. Wilson, often called the natural heir of Darwin, will be greatly missed. The Anderson Cabot Center for Ocean Life has recently announced a new tool to help with the battle to save right whales. A pregnancy test. So the way this works is they created a really big pregnancy test that they have the whales pee on and that, nope, nope, okay, I'm lying. But the truth isn't actually as different as you might think from that. Uh, The truth is they have figured out a way to test whale feces for pregnancy hormones, namely progesterone. This was accomplished when a female whale known as koala, they're not bears, they're not whales, but that's the name of this one, um, was found in the water and pooped. And and bright whales have bright orange poop. And so um, some people from the Anderson Cabot Center for Ocean Life happened to be out observing it this time, saw the poop, recognized koala, and captured the poop off of the surface of the water where it was floating. 
They took it in and were able to do a fecal on it and found out that there were high levels of progesterone. They were able to then come up with a level to judge based on poop whether a whale is pregnant or not when they found out later in the season that, in fact, koala was pregnant. I hope that this this whale has the calf. I hope that it makes it to maturity because they are in desperate need of of more right whales in the population. And I also really hope that they name it Joey. But yeah, I'm super excited about the fact that we can now use whale poop to tell if they are pregnant or not. Yay. And that brings us to... In other news. Scientists have recently announced the discovery of a perfectly preserved dinosaur embryo that was preparing to hatch from its egg. The embryo was discovered in southern China and is at least 66 million years old. The scientists who found the embryo have named it Baby Yingliang. And Baby Yingliang is the best dinosaur embryo ever found in history, said researcher Dr. Fion Waisum Ma. John Hammond disagrees. And I'm honestly not convinced that this isn't just a big publicity stunt for Jurassic World Dominion coming out in 2022, but uh, probably not. And finally, in other news this week, a rare Stellar's sea eagle was spotted along the Taunton River in Massachusetts, thousands of miles away from its home in, well, Asia? Yeah, this is like the second week in a row that I am reporting on a bird that is just thousands and thousands of miles away from where it should be based on its natural history and its migratory patterns. Part of me thinks that this might just be another example of a bird, you know, in captivity that is no longer in captivity, and maybe it wasn't had by the most legal means, so it's not being reported. And part of me wonders if the birds of the world know something that we don't, and this is going to be the start of a long trend of weirdness happening. Either way, keep it tuned to Rasafari Zoo News to find out. All right, not much going on in the world of animal holidays as we start our new year, but um, January 1st is not only the start of the new year, happy new year, yay, but is also the start of National Train Your Dog Month, Unchain a Dog Month, and Walk Your Dog Month. Those things all seem kind of similar, but hey, no judgment. January 2nd is known as Happy Mew Year for Cats Day. Ha <laughs> ha, Mew. And January 5th is National Bird Day. I can't help but wonder if that doesn't mean it's also National Word Day. And those are your animal holidays for the week. All right, and there you have it, folks. Another week of Rasafari Zoo News. And you know, Zoo News is not just me doing research, but it's stories being sent to me by you. And um, if you see a Zoo News-worthy story, you can tag me in it on social media at Rasafari, on TikTok at Pod, email it to me, rasafaripod at gmail.com, or... um. You know, DM me on any of those things. 
or text me if you have my number. If I gave it to you, if if I didn't, and you just happen to have it, that's that's just creepy, and uh, that that happens sometimes. That I I have some weird stories since I have started this podcast, y'all. Let me tell you that. But anyway, I'm going to avoid those for now, and just say that if you do that, you'll get to hear your name on the podcast, like the following people who I want to thank for sending in stories this week: Jacob Zinn, Jacob Newman, Dylan Hoy, Anya Keen. Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Sean Fay, and Liz Dunlevy. Thank you all so much for sending in these stories. And remember, listeners, one of those people, one of those people is the person who sent in the Bronx Zoo oral sex story. I'm not going to say who it is, but I am going to tell that person right now that there are plenty of listeners silently judging you. I kid, I kid, I kid. But seriously, thank you to everyone for sending those in, and thank you to Lara Shank for remaining my Red Panda-level patron. And uh, remember, friends, the words Newsy Credits Backwards are Steiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Vesley-Gross. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo.